The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. And welcome to the Doctor Who pod with Sai and Dan, proudly brought to you by the SJP World Media Network. My name is Sai, and joining me as always is my partner in time, Dan Griffin. How are we, my friend? I'm not too bad, mate. Did you just nearly forget my name? No, no I, went to say, <laughs> I went to say my partner in time, and I thought I had something else to say, but I didn't. So that's why I tagged your surname on the end, because it sounded weird just going, and here's Dan. So that's, just, that's why I full named you. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. I just, I just thought after 44 episodes, you thought, hang on, who the fuck is this guy? Have we done that many, have we? Uh, yeah, providing I've got my uh, my numbering right in my uh, in my note files. Ah, I'm glad you keep tabs on these things. Yeah, well, sort of. I, I, tried, that for, I tried that for UTT and cocked it up gloriously, and now I've got no idea. <laughs> it does make me laugh, the fact that obviously we record and then i'll edit and produce and add the music and all that sort of shit and then i'm the one who uploads it and releases it but i've got no idea so we'll record and then i'll message you at least three times a week right what are we recording this week (laughs) what am i supposed to release this week (laughs) what's going out next tuesday (laughs) are we in season two or 17 yeah exactly Uh, as with previous episodes of the Doctor Who pod, I have been joined by next door's cat, Toby, who is an old boy, but a bit of a fat lump, and he's playing with the cables, and he's purring loudly, so if he interferes, I apologise in advance, but I think he has settled down. I think he he's, is okay, and he's in... Mate, he, he belongs on this podcast, podcast. He's a fat area lump intent on derailing shit. <laughs> exactly. He fits in well. <laughs> 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 he only wants to get out of bed for something to eat and then he goes back to bed. <laughs> or a drink. Uh, exactly, exactly. On today's episode, we are travelling back to March 1982 and a four-part Peter Davidson story, Earthshock. This was one of my picks, wasn't it? It was, yes. Yes. And this was picked for a couple of reasons. One, it's a Cyberman story. So I thought that could be quite interesting to look at 80s or early 80s Cybermen. And two, I've kind of, I don't think I've been overly subtle with the comments I've made about Adric in the past. <laughs> and this is a story that Adric is, well, when people mention Adric in Doctor Who, this is the first story that they kind of comes to mind, I think. Yeah, I can see why. There, there is a lot to dissect about Adric in this, uh, in this far part of it that we'll come to. But certainly I can see why it would stick in the mind. Hmm. And when it comes to dissecting Adric, is it as pretty much as straightforward as saying he's a prick? Not quite as straightforward, but that's a good 75% of it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, yes. So then this is the Cybermen's first appearance in Doctor Who for over seven years. I think it's been quite a while and it was basically put forward as a bit of a surprise. Mm. Uh, and you've got to remember obviously for people listening 
who, you know, it's obvious, really, it's 1982. I mean, people mock me regularly on the podcasts I'm on about my age. I was one when this was released, so it's going back a bit. So there was no internet or anything like that. So any potential spoilers or any potential storyline, you know, uh, clues or anything like that would effectively come via printed media. And you would get this via newspapers, obviously, or a big one for Doctor Who and stories at the time would be via the Radio Times. That was like a weekly, you know, a weekly sort of TV guide sort of thing, Dan, wasn't it? I'm aware of the Radio Times, yeah. I'm not that, I'm not that much younger than you. <laughs> <laughs> in, um, fact, in fact, my, my granddad, who I go and walk his dog every day, as I've said before, he still gets um, something called the TV Choice. Yes. Because he refuses to learn how to use the, uh, the guide on his telly. Yeah. He likes, he likes to have it in his hand. Yeah, don't, I, mean, <laughs> I, I worked at an off-license, one well, news agent off-license kind of place, um, going back, God knows, 10 years ago now maybe. It's when I was still running the football club, I was working there. So it's going back a little while. And I used to have to put the magazines out every every week and then take them back down again if they didn't sell and so on. So you had all those TV choice, TV viewer, TV guide and all this sort of stuff. But then you also had all the similar, very similar looking kind of glossy women's weekly magazines. Yeah. And I don't know if you, you're familiar with these, but when I was putting them out on the shelves, it always stunned me how the, the TV Times, TV Guide and all that would be like a picture of Steve McFadden or, or you know, whoever, Barbara Windsor or whatever at the front. Um, it'd be one of those publicity shots and they'd be there all smiling and happy. Then underneath it would be like, Phil fucking dies or something like that. You know, it was a complete <laughs> contrast. To the image. And then you had the, 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 women, the women's magazines, the weekly magazines there, would be a picture of a really happy, smiley woman who's obviously a... Um, a model of some description to be on the front of this, you know, this magazine. And it says something like, person shat in my wheelie bin. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, um, my, my sister slept with and murdered my husband and all that sort of shit. And like proper morbid stuff. And you'd be like, why are you so happy? You know? <laughs> <laughs> we used to get them all the time in my work canteen when I worked in the supermarket. It was, yeah. they, were, they were great entertainment. Just absolute Oh, just nonsense. But um, back to the Radio Times and the point I was trying to make. It, with regards to spoilers and so on, this particular story, Earthshock, the title was chosen very carefully. So there was no hint that the Cybermen were returning ahead of time. Mm. It's not like, you know, Earthshock of the Cybermen or, you know, we got Planet of the Daleks. You know the Daleks are going to be in that and, and so on. And there was no mention of them at all when they put out the description of the episodes they mention robots to the radio times so they wouldn't publish a week or two ahead of time that there were cybermen in it and there's a there used to be a balcony in the studio that they used to use to film certain scenes and certain parts of the shows when they're not out on location at a quarry or something and that balcony for this story was actually shut for one of the very first times so that the general you know people around who you know who weren't working on that particular show wouldn't spill the beans about the cybermen being there there's also what we're going to get to i suppose later on in the episode i mean it's not much of a spoiler everyone everyone knows the situation but what happens with adric was also kept incredibly secret until the show aired and i bloody love that that's keep kayfabe brother exactly yeah, yeah. keep it's the uh, the old um the old Bilbo Baggins line from Lord of the Rings, keep it secret, keep it safe. Yes, there you go. And it it is that thing of, you know, the the first episode, which I suppose we'll get to in just a second, the cliffhanger for that first episode is the reveal of the Cybermen. 
that's they're there that that's their the cliffhanger for the the whole opening episode of this story the big moment at the end of it to make you tune in next week is oh shit there's a Cyberman. Yeah. And that was the reveal to everybody, apart from the crew and the, the actors, that the Cybermen were back. And I just I love that. Yeah, it's brilliant. That, that sort of going to great lengths to make sure that people are, are shocked and entertained and have that mm. boost where it'll spread word of mouth. And people say, oh my God, did you see it? Last night, the, the Cybermen are back and the knock-on effect that has. Of you never quite know what's going to turn up. It's It's... It's simple. Go back to wrestling, like I said before. It, it's like the the shock of bringing somebody back or having a surprise debut. Do it too much, and you'll over egg the pudding, like certain companies have in recent years. But absolutely yeah. a, a, a valid tool to to boost interest. Yeah, it, it, I I love it. I absolutely love it. But uh, shall we dive on in, Dan? Shall we dive on in? We're best at really, aren't we? And get your Doctor Who pod bingo cards at the ready because the show opens up first of all with the intro that i love probably my favorite doctor who intro i'm not gonna lie that yeah and we're in a quarry yay we're back in a quarry haven't been in one for quite a while the thing is the difference with this is that it's actually a quarry it's not a quarry posing as an alien planet because they're digging and stuff aren't they so it's kind of like a real quarry it's, yeah, it's meant to be some sort of like survey site or geological site or something like that. So they've got all the you know all the equipment lining up and all and everything else. So yeah, it's um, it's, it's a quarry being a quarry and not masquerading as uh, as anything else for once. Mm, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, we have a, I suppose, I suppose a crew, a, an exploration crew potentially. I suppose they'd be. Yeah, something along those lines. Now this is the first sort of problem I have with this serial it takes forever to get a lot of the main characters names in oh yeah totally totally the one guy with the mustache um i in all of my notes i just refer to him as lieutenant because we don't find out his surname to my knowledge until much later oh that's um lieutenant scott isn't it yes yes yeah now funnily enough i've got gone through the cast as always um because another character that comes up very early on is um is a lady who's like surname is kyle um, she's been part of the of an expedition team who have, there's been some sort of accident and the, the you know the rest of them have been killed. She's got away, and we don't find we don't actually find out her name for a good long while either. Right. But uh, she's <laughs> she's played by somebody called uh, Claire Clifford, and she returned to the Doctor Who sort of wider universe in 2008. Uh, she played Milton in a Torchwood episode called Fragments, oh, okay. which which reveals a bunch of the backstory of the other characters. And James Warwick, who plays uh, who plays Lieutenant Scott, the man with the moustache, is Matthew Duffing, who will actually be appearing in one of your upcoming projects. He was in uh, Babylon 5 in 1996. One of my upcoming projects. You knobhead. I'm sorry, Rob, it's not going to happen. Well, at least not for the time being. Whatever projects are done and dusted, maybe we'll look into it, but I'm not promising a damn thing. And then Rob will tell he doesn't actually like Babylon 5. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a big wind-up. <laughs> yeah, one, one thing I do like in this first bit, it, it, it irks me that we find out side characters' names, but not main characters. But I do like the, the scanner thing they've got going, where they're scanning for life forms. I think that's a great little device to uh, to build up what comes on, what, what happens later in the episode. I think it, it looks pretty good for the time as well. Yeah, it is. It's very clever, isn't it? Because you've got the... 
I suppose you've got the adage of the uh, the Cybermen are obviously involved, but they've got these kind of gimp robots, haven't they? We're, we're back with <laughs> we're back with space gimps again, aren't we? Bondage um, androids. Yeah, bondage androids. <laughs> that sounds like another band that's playing Galifest. Um, <laughs> We've got an emo version that's headed up by Marvin from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I don't know who that is. Marvin <laughs> the paranoid android. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah imagine that, but like an 80s robot, but with a fringe going across one eye. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not going to show up on a, on a scan that's looking for, well, it's basically looking for mammals, isn't it? But what's the word they use? Like mammal, I can't remember that. It's a funny mammalian, word. Mammalian physi- physiology. Yes. What they're after, yeah. So yeah. it's like mammal, but with Ian on the end. Yeah. Yeah, okay, very technical. Um, <laughs> but the robots and the Cybermen won't show up. So when people start getting effectively killed off in these caves, you get the dramatic scene. Of there's the dots that show their life, uh, their heartbeat, whatever, that, them being detected on the scanner. Mm-hmm. They just go out. And I, yeah. it's such a simple thing, but it's really kind of really effective, I think. Yeah, and uh, I feel like we're going to bounce around within episode one here for a little bit. Yes. Um, but on that scanner, with um, it's when you've got, I think it's Sergeant Mitchell who goes with, somebody gets injured and Sergeant Mitchell goes back to help out because they're barely moving and, and whatnot. And you actually hear Sergeant Mitchell over the radio being attacked by the androids and then the scanner operator, Walters, is there. Oh, no, it's Snyder, sorry, who stays with him. Um, Walters hears Snyder basically getting murdered by these androids and right. it's, it's it's quite sort of powerful, isn't it really they're just like oh shit you know <laughs> it is it is it's it's very clear and uh, okay effectively so we're going to jump around a little bit i suppose but what we get here is uh, the first scene in the tardis and the first time we're kind of seeing part of the reasons here with this story anyway not the first time in the show but the reason some of the reasons why i just don't like adric is it because he's a whinging little fuckwit? He's a sulky little bitch, isn't he? Oh, he does my tits in. Even sulky on this first little episode. space bitch. <laughs> <laughs> a cosmic madass. <laughs> but he really is. He's having, the doctor's coming in advising him to read Black Orchid. And he's moody because people tease him and think he's a joke. But oh, I get teased more than everybody else. Whenever Nisa or Tegan asks Doctor a question, he finds a time to answer. But no, maybe, maybe your questions are shit, Adric. Yeah, maybe you just annoy maybe you should, maybe, maybe you should actually listen to what the Doctor's telling you when you, as the Doctor points out, spending many hours discussing and debating endless topics. And just shut the fuck up and don't, you know, have the explanation after. You don't need it right there and then. So you never explain what's going on. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, yeah, because it's usually life and death, you prick. Well, that comes into it later on as well, doesn't it? There's a moment later on that kind of dictates that as well. Yeah, no, it really does. It, it, another point on this this sort of first, the first couple of episodes of this serial, some brilliant foreshadowing um, mm. and, and sort of planting the seeds for for story points later on. And I suppose this is one of them, but he's he's just having a little bitch fit, isn't he, Adric? Yeah. Yeah, and there was one moment I didn't like as well. It's not just having a sulk and a whinge and a bitch, but he can be quite spiteful with it. Yeah, I mean, you want Yeah, you want to have a pity party. You want to sit in your bedroom, 
sulking away, then you crack on, pal. Go, 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 you know, go shut the bedroom door, sit in there on your silly little yellow top or your stupid gold star and have a bit of a sulky little bitch, you know? But yeah. when the doctor comes in to talk to him and say, read this book and all this sort of stuff, and then the doctor says, okay, I, I give you my word, I will make more time for you. He's got what he wants. The doctor is telling him, yeah. I, I'm sorry, Adric, I will do what I can. Adric responds with, give me your word, like you did with Tegan, which is reference to the fact the doctor can't get Tegan home accurately, and he's promised her he will because mm. he can't see the TARDIS properly. And it's just like, there was no need for that at all. You complete dick. Yeah, he's an asshole. And then he, he doubles down on it, doesn't he? Because he says, uh, the Doctor calls it unfair, and he says, well, it's always unfair when it's you. Whenever you're criticised, you're never at fault when things go wrong. It's like, well, what the fuck are you doing sitting in your sitting in your little wanking shed, you little bastard? <laughs> little wanking just, shed. <laughs> just, oh, he's a cock, and he's a window. I'm such an outsider, nobody understands me. He's basically being every teenager ever. Yeah, but it's bollocks because him and Tegan may bicker and argue, but Tegan obviously really cares for him when you see other stories mm. with him in. He and Nessa, Adric, I mean, he and Nessa are very, again, they've got a good relationship as well. The doctor's always trying to talk to him and seeks his advice on things and all that sort of stuff. He's just being a knob for knob's sake. Yeah, even when the doctor praises him, Later on, it's like, just take the damn compliment. Mm. You've received what you want, and we always see that with another character that comes into it later on. This serial is actually full of knobheads. <laughs> it is just chock full of assholes in one way or another. Um, but one thing I did like that came out of this sort of <laughs> this twat off between the Doctor and Hadrick right. was. Um, was actually the filled in a bit of Adric's backstory. So, if, like me, you've never seen anything with Adric before. Yes. The, and they have the whole argument about taking Adric home and the TARDIS can't go into e-space because it's another dimension. And we get the wee-woo-beep-boop of, you know, who has the mathematical skills to navigate uh, navigate negative coordinates and passing through the CVE, can't calculate random coordinates, and you know, which you know is absolutely valid. Anybody who knows anything knows that that's virtually impossible. Yeah, of course. But just filling in the blanks a little bit was uh, was quite nice from my point of view. Yeah, it's good. It is good. And and that, that's kind of... The argument they're having about, you know, you're not paying me attention leads into almost a secondary argument, I guess. Because Adric basically decides, I want to go home. Mm. I want to go back. And that's the secondary argument, isn't it? About the, the dangers of trying to get into eSpace and, and so on that, that you explained. But... Oh, he's just a melt. He's got the whole TARDIS crew there <laughs> saying to him, it's too dangerous, Adric. It's too dangerous. Or even at one point, Nissa says to him, let, let the doctor calm down and we'll talk to him again. And Nissa's very understanding and nice. And, yeah. you know, she's almost like, um, uh, almost talking him through this, uh, this issue, isn't she? She's trying um, to be the mediator. Yeah. Yeah. And even then he's a bit like, I don't know. So yeah, I'll, just, I'll find, I'll, I'll find, I'll find someone who will take me then. And yeah. Like, and he's going, you fucking idiot! So it's like a kid threatening to run away. So yeah. you'll get as far, you'll get as far as the bus stop. You, mm-hmm. you know, you, you know nothing of what it takes to get over there. And even if you think you do, you don't know half of what you of what you think. And he, he still doubles down on he'll, he'll. Oh, I can plot a course; it'll be fine. And he's just saying, no, it won't. And Andrew's like, well, Romana's there; she can help me. And Tegan just is, looks a bit lost, and she's asking if it's really that dangerous. And the doctor says, would I be making all this fuss if it weren't? Mm. Just showing that the doctor actually does care for Adric and he wants to keep him safe. He doesn't want to try anything stupid. Risk Adric and everybody else's life. It's 
he, oh, he really is a bastard, isn't he, that doctor? Oh. <laughs> and this leads to the doctor basically landing the TARDIS in these caves, doesn't it? Because he decides... Adric wants to use some of the computer systems. The Doctor's had enough. He wants to go for a walk. So yeah. the TARDIS lands. The Doctor goes for a walk with... I believe uh, Tegan goes with him, doesn't she? Yeah, T- eventually Nissa does as well. But yes. the, doc- the Doctor decides he wants to go for a cave sulk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so but, Adric is then left to use the computers and plot this, you know, this this uh, coordinates and, and a route to it through e-space and all this sort of stuff. Which, by the way, is a bit daft because when they talk about it later on in the episode, he's got the smallest paper notebook in the world that he's used instead. So, yep. you know, <laughs> didn't even need the computers. Well, that's, that's, just, that's, that's just what we've written it down. Ah, makes but yeah, I mean, while all this is going on, the uh, the soldiers and and, uh, and Kyle are going through the going through the caverns, and we've got these mysterious shadowy figures following them. So that adds a nice bit of sort of tension in between these tardis yeah. scenes. Um, but even even when Adric's trying to, I think trying to help, but also get one up on people, when the TARDIS actually lands, it's oh, it's Earth, it's the 26th century, and Hadric pipes with, the, uh, the, the year 2526 in the timescale you call Anno Domini, as if you're so much fucking better, you interdimensional swamp basket. Oh, man. I'd love to just take that gold star for mathematical excellence and just stick it in his eye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then he has the temerity to say to the doctor, since his regeneration, I think he's got decidedly immature. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing is as well, I mean, you mentioned there is regeneration. So obviously Adric spent time with Tom Baker uh, as the doctor as well. Tom, Adric's not in the series for a, a massive long period, really. He's, he's in it for, you know, he, he sees regeneration, which is pretty dramatic, I guess, because they don't come around every week, do they? Let's be honest. Yeah. But he's in it enough to make an impact, but he's not a long, long term companion. However, in that time, we've got to this point here, and you're seeing Adric for what you said was the first time, Dan, yeah? Yeah, first time. Yeah, and you're coming to a conclusion straight away, he's a little prick, and you're right. But by the time you get to this stage, if you're watching in in order, I guess, through the Tom Baker time and then into the Peter Davidson era, by the time you get to this point, people who were growing up watching this must be bloody sick of this kid, because... He's not only a prick here, he's a prick all the time. And then there's also plenty of occasions where, for no real reason, it seems like he's shipping the doctor, you know, down the river. He's 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 siding with the bad guys. He's acting almost like a traitor in more than one story in quite a short run. And it just Mm. makes no sense. Yeah, it's but well, I'd have to watch them to form a to form a mm. proper opinion. All I know is in this one, he's a sulky, whingy little prick, and he quite frankly needs a good slap. He, he's got this aura of intelligent kid who's never been told no. Yeah, exactly. And and, and he's got he's got everything he wants. He's a bit. It puts me in mind of a modern Who character a little bit. It was one of the villains in the Sontaran two parter with David Tennant and uh, and. Uh, Okay. Uh, yeah, he was the, the guy, the young the Rattigan, lad. The Rackin Academy lad who, who was clever and he made the, he was in league with the Sontarans and he made the, the Atmos thing. And he used to go back and forth from that little teleporter thing. Yeah, yeah. That, he yeah. was a little shit. He was played and by Andrew the Scott. guy who played, uh, have you ever seen the TV show Plebs when they're in the Roman times? Yes. 
He was played by the guy who played Grumio. Yeah, he was. Yeah. All right, but he, he, okay, yeah. <laughs> I've not watched that much of it, sir. I used to catch little bits of it on ITV3 at about, or ITV2 at about midnight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best time to watch it, mate, because it ain't that funny unless you're pissed. <laughs> yeah, half asleep, pissed, and whatever. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's just a bit of a turd. Um, not a fan already. And in my, in my notes just after that, when he calls the Doctor Immature, I've just got Adric is a sea bomb. <laughs> Are you not using the actual word, mate? Because you don't want to use your quota for this series. <laughs> Wait, is it, is it a series or, or do I get? I thought I got one per episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm not in the habit of I'm not in the habit of using it on this uh, on this show anyway. So, nah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So there'll be a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, the doctor goes for a walk in the caves. And this is where we get the first, I suppose, talk about um, prehistoric timings, I guess, and what happened to the dinosaurs and so on. And the, the Doctor kind of just drops in this line of, oh, yeah, there was a meteorite or asteroid 65 million years ago, wiped them all out. Well, yeah. that's, what you, that's what I think. I've never checked it out. I'd like to pop back and see. And I'm like, is that a bit morbid? <laughs> I want to well, see that. Well, no, because if you think about it, if if you know if you sort of know Earth's history as the Doctor does, and as obviously we do, if we had a time machine, there's a few things that'd be like on a on a checklist of everybody. I think you'd want to see the dawn of time, the end of time, and then bits that happened on Earth. So you'd want to go back to major historical events, and I think one of those would be the death of the dinosaurs. Yeah, I'd want to go back and see it. So I think I think it's pretty logical to be fair because it's. It's far enough, it sounds awful, but it's far enough removed from modern times that it, it just, it is just a story. Mm. You know, nobody can quite comprehend how catastrophic and horrific it must have been. Because obviously nobody was around and you can't, the stories aren't going to survive 65 million years. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I suppose there is big events you check out. I mean, there's smaller stuff as well in there. So the the big question that we ask sometimes, isn't it? I suppose when people are just chatting, where would you go if you had a time machine and stuff? I suppose it, that, that sort of thing it, is the bigger events that would come up, I guess. Not really much bigger than that, you know. All Ice Age happening. <laughs> if you could yeah. do, if you could be in a TARDIS and observe it from from afar, you know, and, and see yeah. the collision and, and how it all played out. So you're not you in danger wanna... yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we've got, to, we've got to think smart about this. Mm. Iron, Iron Maiden at Monsters of Rock Festival 92 as well. I'd use the TARDIS. Yeah. I think that's on the same level. But um... Um, What I do like about this, this first episode as well, and actually throughout the series, they flip back and forth. They do that thing that we like on this show where it flips back and forth between stories. Yes. And they just intersect a little bit before they actually sort of join together. Mm-hmm. And so, but it feels like they're running concurrently and at the same time. So when the Doctor and, uh, and the TARDIS and all the crew members show up, they start showing up on the scanner. Yes. But Walters, who's up there monitoring it still, realises that one of the readings is ectopic, and has to, which is a life form that has two hearts. And it's just like, ah, shit, they are in the same caves. I mean, we knew they were going to be. Yeah. But it's nice to have that little bit of confirmation. It's clever. Yeah. And this does kind of lead to something that happens quite a bit, I think, in Classic Who, especially sort of Tom Baker, Peter Davidson era, in that the Doctor arrives somewhere, goes for a bit of a stroll, 
and then ends up being blamed for shit that's going on before he arrives. <laughs> like he's the guilty party. I mean, the, basically, there's people that have um, there's already a party of of people who went into the caves who are missing. But they talk about this when the, the, we first meet these characters. Mm-hmm. As this episode goes on, we talked already about the, the the dots disappearing on the scanner quite dramatically. So other people are dying and vanishing as well. And then all of a sudden, the doctor's there. And he gets found close to a body. So instantly, when he's located by, I think it's the lieutenant and various other members of that group, they jump to the conclusion. And you can see why. Oh, this is the guy who's been killing off our people. And that's yeah. kind of a common uh, a common sort of thing that happens in, in this era, I think, of Doctor Who. Well, it happens twice in this serial. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't it? You know, let, let's yeah. not let's not fuck about it. It happens twice in this serial, but it, it, it's a very logical response. Dead body, not dead body. Person we don't. Uh, 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 <laughs> uh. <laughs> Guy walking around in a walking around in a funny suit with a with a little tree poking out of his pocket. <laughs> we also get a moment here, don't we? Just before the doctor is discovered in the caves and blamed for the killings. And they literally bump into this team, don't they? It's like it's almost comical in a way that they turn a corner and go, "Oh, people with guns." Yeah. Uh, we get a shot of Adric in the TARDIS control room with his little notebook and the computers and so on, and he's watching what's going on on the monitor as people are walking around outside and that. And he gets this really smarmy, smart-ass, slimy line of, mm, "Don't wander off too far, Doctor. You prick." There's no. It, it's just. Oh. It sounds a little bit villainous. Yeah, exactly. Like, as if Adric wouldn't actually be bothered if the Doctor did wander off and get killed. Mm. And I think that's the thing. To be honest, Adric puts out all this, oh, I want to be liked, I want to be loved, I want to be accepted, but he doesn't give it back. No. He wants to, he doesn't, he wants to be, he wants to be adored. You know, he wants to be, oh, aren't you so smart, Adric? Well done, you fuck off. Oh, yeah, aren't you clever with your little gold star? Round of, a round of applause for taking a shit, well done. Yeah, it's, it's that kind of sense of entitlement, I guess, isn't it? It's... That's it, that's exactly what I was looking for. But, um, yeah, this sort of coming together of and finding finding the bodies is is pretty is pretty well done, really. You know, mm-hmm. They say, well, rock falls and, and things like that, but they've also had flare-ups on the scanners, which has been obscuring everything, which I really liked as well. And then... I know we've called them GIMP robots and, and things like that, but something like this where it is just a faceless killing oh, yeah. machine, particularly in this sort of thing where they've been doing very well with the with the camera work and, and, and sort of half camouflaging them, it's pretty good, even for the time, even if even if they are a, you know, even if they are bondage bots. Do you know what it reminded me of as well? Just popped in my head. Last, last Friday night. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, in, in fact, the the note I've got next on on my notes that I've made literally says the Gimp's attack, which sounds like uh, either some sordid movie or a really dodgy club, doesn't it? But um, it's. <laughs> do you remember it when we looked at the Five Doctors and you had that one particular robot that was shooting stuff at? Yeah, it, it's it's like that might might like be like their cousin or something. I don't know because it looked like the same same getup, just a different color, didn't it? Like going from Arnie's Terminator to Robert Patrick's T T one thousand. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, in my head, that is now exactly it. Yeah, fair <laughs> but, enough. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good sort. Of, what I'd like as well, the Doctor just sort of cheerfully introduces himself. Mm. Like, just shake somebody's hand. Yeah. 
And, you know, what are we supposed to have done? <laughs> oh, I'm all jolly and confused. What's going on? I was like, yeah, someone who killed someone would act like that. Mm. <laughs> yes. Um, it, they basically... It's figured out that the, the gimps are attacking because the doctor and this, uh, sorry, the doctor and Tegan and so on are being made to look through a rockfall by the soldiers for the bodies because the bodies are disappearing, and the gimps are attacking because they're getting close to a metal hatch. So they're almost like um, security in a way, I suppose, Dan. <laughs> dressed, dressed all in black unidentifiable facial features very very eager to guard the little door they're essentially they're essentially like every bouncer in a city centre on a Saturday night <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh, and this is when we get I, I suppose the view via a, um, a sort of weird space age monitor with like a red backlight to it or red glow around the edges and so on and th- th- they're being watched and it turns out they're being watched via the head, I suppose, of one of these androids. And they're being watched by Cybermen. And that's the big reveal. I loved it because yeah, I, quite, I always like these sort of point of view of the villain shots. And mm-hmm. when, you know, they put a, like a red filter like they've done here over it, I think looks fantastic. Yes. But then to actually sort of zoom out and have it in the middle of this like viewing machine and the two Cybermen stood there, I, I, I thought it was brilliant. And the Doctor has a great line just before the end as well, where um, Lieutenant Scott, who's still suspicious of him, having you know thrown him to the floor and held him at gunpoint and interrogated him, uh, asks if the androids are the Doctors. And he says, no, they'll kill me as, willing, as willingly as they'll kill you. Yes. <laughs> and Peter Davidson gets a few lines in this that are really good. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, yeah, the the big big cliffhanger there, zooming out for the Cybermen, brilliant. Another, yet another brilliant classic Who cliffhanger. Mm. Yeah, totally. Okay, with regards to the Cybermen, then, we've seen various designs of them in in our podcast Mm -hmm. time together, looking at Doctor Who. And obviously, we've seen various designs of the Cybermen just by watching New Who as fans. This particular design from 1982. They've got the big handlebar helmet, but they're all kind of skinny in these silver rubbery suits and almost silver Ugg boots on their feet, I think. It's, it's, <laughs> unless, unless, you, unless you're Tegan who looks at them and says, they're huge. Yeah, yeah, because Tegan's like two foot four. So, so, <laughs> what, what were your thoughts on the appearance of the Cybermen at this time? Because obviously you've seen them in the 60s with us and you've seen them. Uh, you know, you bang us in clips and pictures and so on as well. But yeah. this particular serial, four full episodes of them in 1982. What, what, what did you think? The, the the very classic design. So I like it from that point of view. It's a bit you know part of the show's history and all of that. And I'm, I, I think by this point, this the design of them was potentially starting to wane a little bit and then become a little bit dated. I know they okay. tried a few different bits and pieces. Like I, I got really excited for a minute because I noticed the cyber leader has a see-through mouthpiece. Yes. And you could see the actor's chin moving, and I thought that was a fuck-up mm-hmm. until I realised the actor's chin was painted silver. Yeah. So it was actually a design point. So I thought, ah, brilliant, a cock-up. And I thought, they've actually put some real effort into that Yeah, it's to good, distinguish it? the cyber leader. So... I, I like it from that point. It it's not my favourite Cyberman design, but that's because 
it can't compete with my favourite Saruman design, which is the the half built one from the haunting of Villa Diodati and, and beyond. Right, I, I like the the half built mangled, semi like still ever so slightly human mm-hmm. version is my favourite because it. I, just, I, love, I love the sci-fi stuff, but I love it when sort of the sci-fi element starting to decay. Yeah, I, I always love that sort of aesthetic. So it's unfair to judge the two, really. But as far as it goes, it's Cybermen. We know we're going to get something good. It it looks better than than the '60s version, but I, I don't know. At the time, it feels like it was maybe already getting a little bit dated. Mm. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I like the the the, the 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 head, the helmet, and so on. That's my favourite Cyberman design for the helmet because that's what I grew up with. That's, that's what made you cry. Yeah, exactly. That's the one that scared the shit out yeah. of me. I had nightmares about it and so on. Um, the sort of chest piece, I guess, is what goes over their shoulders and down their front. I quite yes. like that as well. Yeah, sorry, I meant to say about that. That's very um, Darth Vader. Love that. Yeah, yeah, good show actually. Yeah, but what I really like is the fact that when I mean, they do look more human than what we're used to in present day, obviously, because in present day the Cybermen are just robots. Let's be honest. Yeah. Here it looks like they are, to me anyway, partially human partially converted because they've got the robotic head they've got the robotic chest part but then there's pipes going into the suit which would indicate to me that it's still leeching off the human remains for want of a better term or oh, having to activate the meat parts yeah yeah um because you said about that that it can go too far the other way because which i think we saw in the matt smith era with uh, nightmare in silver Okay. The first time they had the the more sleeked out Cybermen that could move at like super speed. Mm. That was too far the other way for me. Right, okay. Because one of the sort of creepy things about the Cybermen is that they used to be human. They still have these sort of flesh and blood element to them, even if some of it's just structural. Yes. It's it's that that makes them a, that makes them creepy, that they are us, but a, a mangled, twisted version of, of us. Mm. Whereas when they start putting the super speed thing, and it's ju- it's just well, it, it, it is just a mech suit. You know, it's it, it's too robot at that point. Yeah, that's right. I mean, in, interestingly enough, I mean, not not this one. We're just about to get into episode two, I guess, of this four parter. I think it was the third part. Charlie walked past my bedroom as I'm sat watching this today. So I called her in because she, as, as I said on Twitter, Dan, and as I've messaged you as well, she started to show a slight interesting classic who she wants to dip her toe in. So I said, come here and watch a bit of this. So she watched like 15 minutes. And the first thing out of her mouth was the Cybermen look really human. Yeah. So, but all she has seen is the robotic modern day. To me, these Cybermen look less human than other versions I've seen because these were robotic to me when I was her age. Yeah. No, okay, yeah. It's, it's an interesting difference in perspectives mm. um, because I suppose one way to look a lens to view it through as well is, is the uh, Mondasian Cybermen, like the early, the very early ones, which were just like cloth and, and bits of silver and yeah, and everything like that. In, in the older Doctor Who, they look a bit naff. Yeah. In the mo- when they're brought them back in the modern Doctor Who, towards the end of Peter Capaldi's run, 
they were horrifying mm-hmm. because we saw we saw they showed us them in early conversion. So they were there with the with the you know they were they were, they were literally still humans. They had the chest piece, they had some sort of chest piece on. They had these masks on and, and like helmets keeping everything together, and. One of them was just sat there and had these little voice units to the side of them they could use to press buttons and communicate. And one of them was just sat there pressing the button that said pain. Yeah. So it was just going pain, pain, pain. <laughs> so and then Bill hides and this nurse comes in who's meant to be looking after them and just turns the speaker down. Yeah, it's mad. Yeah, I remember this. <laughs> so, you know, any version of the Cybermen can be creepy, I think, mm. is... is is the way to look at it, but yeah, I've got no problem with these. They're, they're decent. Mm. Yeah, okay. Uh, as episode two begins, we have the gimps protecting the hatch. Adric kind of... <laughs> the, gimp, <laughs> the gimp hatch that's trying to be invaded by so many people. Exactly. <laughs> the soldiers with their big weapons. It's like a gang banging at the door. It, it, it is. You could word it that way. <laughs> I wish AB was here. Oh, my God. <laughs> Before, I was just making those jokes. <laughs> I'm sure she'll join in on Twitter, mate. Uh, <laughs> Adric stumbles in, and here we get the first sight, I think the first sight, of the kind of pink and white stripy ray gun effort that the soldiers yeah I love, I love these we saw a little bit of it you know they're having this firefight and the doctor's telling them to, to concentrate the fire um, and they do you know they manage to damage one of them and, and then the androids retreat uh, but they're covering the exit and Andrew just his timing is to shit mm-hmm. it just wanders out like oh what's going on oh, oh shit yeah and Oh, but it's like he yells, "Doctor!" He sees people huddling around in defensive positions, and just goes, "Doctor!" Yeah, you dipshit. It's like he's shouting, "Like, look over there!" You know, gimps shoot him. You know, <laughs> look, at, look at me on my target. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. The, in fact, effectively, though, the, the soldiers do win the day with their pink and white stripy guns because they destroy the gimps and the doctor gets around to opening this metal hatch, don't they? <laughs> what are you chatting at night? <laughs> Just that they destroy the gimps. <laughs> These, oh, that's, I've just got them listed as gimps in all my notes, and all I'm doing is reading my notes. It just So to me, it's just natural, but I can understand what you mean when I, when I think it back to what I've just said. <laughs> oh, God. Multiple blasts from the soldiers penetrate the gimps' defences. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, leaves, them, leaves, them, leaves them a helpless quivering mess <laughs> <laughs> and the doctor opens the hatch uh, oh. Oh, oh. I feel like Vic Reeves in shooting stars run my thighs far behind this this hatch <laughs> I'm good I'm good are you sure <laughs> no <laughs> I want to try and get through a whole episode without having to edit anything out, okay? <laughs> right. <Ooh>. Good to go. <laughs> Behind the hatch, the doctor finds what looks kind of like a ghetto blaster. <laughs> a ghetto, yeah, it does actually, yeah. I was just I was just making jokes about saying that the doctor opens the hatch and finds the Cyberman's payload. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Do you remember again on the Five Doctors when we see the Cybermen there? Yeah. And they 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 carry a bomb out to blow up the TARDIS in the Five Doctors, don't they? Yeah, and it's massive. That looked like a massive ghetto blaster as well. <laughs> just painting, just painting the audiovisual equipment silver. Yeah. <laughs> the, what would have been around in the eighties, like Woolworths, um, Dixons? I don't know. Trading a Dixons warehouse. Ah, oh, Curry's, yeah, yeah. Curry's around back then. I don't know. I want that. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But yeah, I mean, also from that standpoint, first of all, yeah, it looks a bit dated. These bombs, but continuity, mate. Cybermen make bombs that look like ghetto blasters. That works for me. Yeah, works for me too. Looks looks threatening enough. There's all all sorts of lights and number readouts that I don't understand and it's beeping so yeah yes indeed uh the bomb though is is radio controlled is that right it's it's kind of the signal is coming from elsewhere yeah yeah sort of so the kind of the androids are programmed to protect it they'd use that to draw them in and and kill the androids but then the cybermen are controlling the bomb and then it's a it's sort of a race against time of the doctor's intellect and the cybermen's technology of what will arm or disarm the bomb first, and, and get it to blow up. Um, although I did, so just on the uh, the the fight with the, the gimp bots. Yes. <laughs> Andrix smashing one of the androids in the head with a rock. It's <laughs> <laughs> like Adric smash bonk. <laughs> Adric very smart. Yeah. <laughs> oh fuck off, Adric. It was yeah. um, <laughs> I did, I did, again, it's flitting between the two storylines. The mm-hmm. Cybermen, you know, the Cyber leaders, they're sort of tweaking the plan and, and saying, we need this, this, and this. The Doctor's then there saying, Adric, I need this tool, this tool, and all that. And the, although Adric argues, still argues about being, about being told to go to the TARDIS until the Doctor has some sort of epiphany and drags him off. Mm. Um but even when even when he's handing the doctor tools to stop the stop the bomb blowing up, he's still demanding an explanation about what's going wrong, about what's going on. Yeah, there's so a time and a place, isn't there? There's a time and a place. Yeah, it's just yeah. And this isn't this isn't like in Jodie Whittaker's era gets a little bit of criticism because of one of the aspects that people I think online I read criticize about it is that she doesn't explain anything. Nothing's really explained to her companions. They all run around wondering what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and that, uh, that's a criticism. I think that can be relatively fair to make to Jodie Whittaker's era here. It's a completely different kettle of fish because there's obviously a time limit to what they're doing. They've mm. got to defuse this ghetto blaster bomb or, or everyone's going to fucking die. And Adric still makes it all about him. And he's like, well, I want to know right now what's going on. So just shut your mouth a minute. Let the doctor work. Yeah. And you'll probably get told afterwards because knowing the doctor and the level of arrogance he has in all of his regenerations, he's going to want to explain how brilliant he's just been. Yeah. And and in this case, pretty damn brilliant. Mm. Because he's, because he's he's fighting to jam the signal and disarm the bomb. And he's got to do it all within one minute, all while Adric's asking him stupid questions and asking about, you know, asking, oh, well, what about if such and such said this, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, how much damage could the bomb do? You know, and I like the doctor's answer to that. Enough to like make life intolerable for the few who survived. Yeah, I guess another great line there, I think. Because it yeah. it's almost a throwaway comment, but it basically straight away makes you realise, yeah, this is bad news. I mean, it's a bomb, of course it's bad news, but I thought it was a really good line. Yeah, same. Um... 
but yeah, it's just it's just annoying. I think what I did like is well, we get a little bit of um, sort of an insight into the TARDIS because Nisa's supporting them in, in jamming whatever signal it is, mm-hmm. and Tegan points out says, well, the TARDIS has limitless power. You know, why can't we why can't we do this? And Nisa's just like, well, it does, but the transmitter doesn't. Yes. And the Doctor just abandoned, as he says, abandons methodical procedure for instinct and just asks for the laser cut. He's just like, ah, this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and again, it can be easy to do the whole wee-woo-beep-boop thing, have a big scientific explanation. But that there is, I think, wee-woo-beep-boop enough to be sci-fi with the, the exchange between Tegan and Nyssa. Yeah. But also so straightforward that a dumbass like me can straight away understand what they're all about. Yeah, that's what I felt as well. Like even a dumbass like you would know what's going on. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, uh, I'm channeling well, my. I have to I'm ask Charlie, but. <laughs> I'm channeling my, channeling my inner Adric and just being a dick unnecessarily. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you, even more annoying about Adric, the Doctor is sort of speculating with him why a bomb? Why not a missile or other device? And why these caves? Yeah. And Adric, Adric just says it's not their problem. Yeah, exactly. That's Yeah, oh my God. Just it's almost like he's shrugging his shoulders, like he gives a shit. Yeah, I tell you what, I didn't notice at this point, though, um, and I noticed it a few times throughout the serial. Did you notice that they use like a, a tweaked version of the Doctor Who theme song in the background music? I'll tell you what, here I did not, but the later on I did, and I think it's when a Cyberman's crawling somewhere. There's a bit of a Doctor Who kind of vibe to the music yeah and there's already been at least one instance of it before this is all well, this is just where i noted it down it was a great little touch like throughout the series uh, throughout mm. the serial um absolutely music in classic who music and effects and so on in classic who it's what we've spoke about before isn't it i can't remember what was the story we covered and we found the music and the sound effects quite jarring was see, that see yeah apparently we were, yeah okay so it, it can either be really clever and good or it can be that very dated sci-fi noise. I mean, I, I tried to watch the seven-parter Doctor Who and the Silurians this week. Mm. A couple of episodes a night when I got to bed and all this sort of stuff. I had to turn it off and put something else on because some of the devices that they use, they'd be so effective as a fucking alarm clock. The the the, the, the <laughs> thing and all that. I couldn't go to sleep because of it. And it's like, it can be so jarring. But here, I think that the music is so subtle, but yet in theme, it works really well. Yeah, it really does. I absolutely love it. Um, what amazes me, though, after this, Adric proves himself to be not completely a dick because the Doctor partially agrees with him that they're going to leave and mm. trace the source of the signal and leave Scott and his men to, to handle the dismantling of, of the Cybermen and all of that because they're in the, like I say, they're in the 26th century. But Scott and Kyle and, and a few of the other soldiers want to go with him. And the Doctor finally says, yeah, go on then, fine. Mm. And that's okay. I guess the doctor just gone fuck it. We'll have more people on board. You know, I think that happens a fair bit in classic, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it can. Do. I mean, you tend to find that. Uh, well, I say you tend to find it doesn't happen in all the stories, but a lot of stories that stand out to me when, uh, even just for the podcast, when we're doing research for the show, and you look at the cast list, mm. there's loads of secondary or background characters. On certain yeah. classic Who stories. I mean, you look at the William Hartnell stuff we've looked at, you know, the Dalek Invasion of Earth, for example. Yeah. There's such a big, vast cast, so it does feel like each story has a, a big collective of people around it, I guess. Yeah, that's true. And speaking of that, actually, we've got um, 
We've got a couple more, a uh, couple more cast members who've been in other Doctor Who, uh, Doctor Who roles. So these are some of the sort of more unsung heroes, uh, and it's all around the uh, the android, the Cybermen, and, and the Cyber Leader. Uh, so the Cyber Leader to start off at the top was a, a guy, a fellow called David Banks. Uh, he played the Cyber Leader in the Five Doctors, this, right. and would come back for the Silver Nemesis in 1988. That's the one that scared me. Really? Yeah. Oh, I know my pick for next season then. That's the one. That. That, I, I bet we watch it back. It's not scary in the slightest, and I'm going to get laughed at. But that's what, 88, I would have been seven. I hope, okay. it, makes, I hope it makes you cry. You wanted the same for me when we did, uh, when we did the Doctor Dances and uh, this is whatever. True. This is so, true. Don't you whack all I am, mate, with me. <laughs> Simon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the other Cyberman in that room was played by uh, Graham Cole, and he did 22 episodes of Doctor Who from 1980 to 1984. Again, various monster roles and yep. uncredited and stuff like that. And he was in The Five Doctors as well, which is the only one we've seen him in so far, but I'm sure he'll come up again. Uh, one of the androids was played by Barney Lawrence, who did 18 episodes from 1980 to 1984, and this was his first appearance in Doctor Who. Okay, Why? So the only way is up from the gimp bot. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think actually, sorry, the, the one last side man was, uh, it comes in later, but I'll do it now, uh, was a fellow called Steve Ismay, uh, who did 29 roles from 71 to 82. This was his last role. So he started to talk to, uh, to Barney Lawrence, and we've also seen him in The Sea Devils and Deadly Assassin. Why? Just in this series. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, our right. normal unsung hero, Pat Gorman. Gorman. Yes. Yeah. Now, I didn't realise this until literally this week, doing research for another podcast on, on the SJP World Media Network, Farty, Farty Towels, looking at Faulty Towers. He's in that. Really? Yeah, he was in an episode of um, Faulty Towers, just sat in the background. <laughs> when did he sleep? I, it's, it's, like you, it's like you putting out podcasts. <laughs> Perhaps he got a role in other shows for someone who's asleep in the background, and that's when he rested. I'd go along with that. That'd be yeah. sound. I've just actually gone on his um, on his Wikipedia. Um, he, he sadly died in 2018. Did yeah. uh, did Pat Gorman? But he's got a whole section of his Wikipedia. Did he's got his filmography, TV roles, and then Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> what an absolute legend this guy is. He's yeah. becoming my favourite. <laughs> yes, him to be honest, yeah. He's great. I keep looking out for him in the background, obviously, when I'm through the cast list. Yeah. Him and, him and, uh, him and Cy Town. Yes, that's right. We should have, uh, maybe we'll knock up a, a T-shirt like the Pat Gorman Appreciation Society or something. <laughs> Just silly out of a side man's head or something. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, you could have like, you could have like, all the, just find out all the monsters he's played and whatnot. And you could have like a Cyberman's head inside a Dalek, inside a... <laughs> Yeah, oh, just have just have, just have Pat in the middle. <laughs> Fantastic. That's my evening planned. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, back to the caves and the spaceships and all that. Um, <laughs> oh God! Uh, yes, the TARDIS is going to follow the signal. So we end up then with a bit. Of, well, I liked this as well. We end up then with a bit of a history lesson yes. from the Cyber Leader. To other Cybermen with their, I, I liked their their sort of display thing because it's not a screen; it's like little pointy silver things that 
basically bring up an image and on that image they're talking about the times that the doctor has been involved with the sidemen in the past and you're getting shots of triton hartnell and so on that was fantastic yeah it feels like something that would be three-dimensional but mm. it would look the same no matter where you looked at it from. It's as far as effects go for the era and look at and looking good and still looking good. This is right up there. Like this feels like it was advanced for the time and has aged very well. Yeah, I liked it. And the red glowing again that you mentioned is really effective. I think around all the silver. Yeah, and he's he, you know saying this one calls it. Uh, oh, nothing. One of the side men says, the, "But the time lord, but they're forbidden to interfere." And so this one calls himself the Doctor and does nothing but interfere. And we get a, a clip of Hartnell facing the Cybermen. We have a flashback to Troughton on Telos, which we covered in, I think, our first yeah. season. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tom Baker on Vogue are saying the pathetic bunch of tin soldiers skulking about the galaxy. Mm. And, you know, and even then, they explain the regeneration concept as well. It's, like I said before, with Adric and his backstory, if you've just stumbled across Doctor Who, or you're new to it and you haven't gone back and watched everything, because you know, obviously at that time it'd be very it'd be on very hard or almost impossible to do unless you were watching repeats, you know, whenever they were on. It it catches you up and it brings you at, li- at least a little way up to speed. You're on mute. Well, I'm not bad. It's really good. It's clever. Yeah, I, you know. I had to mute it because I just text Charlie to say, can you come and let Toby out of the bedroom, please? Because he's meowing at the door. So <laughs> <laughs> he's gone. See, see you later, Tobes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he, he's, he's disappeared. With the, um, the sort of flashbacks, the Triton one is interesting because the, the cyber leader is explaining about what we just discussed, the, the story that this was supposedly from. Mm. But the actual clip that they show is from a different Triton Cyberman story because the oh. footage was not in the archive of the one that they're talking about. Oh, right. It was discovered at a later date. So they had to use footage they had thinking they didn't have the other footage, which was quite cool, I thought. That's a great little fact. I yeah. like that. And I, you know, I've watched that and I didn't even clock, I didn't clock it, so they did a good job. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but also, just back onto uh, Pat Gorman for a second. It turned, I'm going to have to go back and watch this now. It turns out he was in uh, the 1989 Batman movie. No way! He was one of the cops in Axis Chemicals. Oh, amazing. Now, that's the one with Michael Keaton, isn't it? Yeah. See, that's yeah, the, yeah. Obviously, there's loads of superhero movies and stuff now. And loads of Batman movies and different, you know, different Batmen, I suppose would be the plural. But um, <laughs> Batman. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> but that one there is one that I watched when I was a kid, and I love that film. Plus Kim Bassinger, so. Was it Kim Bassinger? Yeah, she was in that, wasn't she? I can't remember. Oh, it was. I just forget. Um, but it was Jack Nicholson's Joker, wasn't it? And, and Billy D. Williams as well. I don't know who that is. Um I hope I'm not getting him confused. Yeah, Lando Calrissian in Star Wars. Oh, right. Yes, I know Lando Calrissian. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So, but anyway, tune in next time for the uh, the Batman 1989 podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, after this history lesson from the Cybermen, we cut back to the TARDIS and the Doctor and Adric. They make up, don't they? And sort of. Oh my god! I wanted to punch that little alien in the fucking mush. Not um, before, not before Adric's been a little cockend because the doctor actually calls him back, and he, the first thing he does, oh, but I'm hungry. Oh my god! 
he shit Adric. The doctor actually is grateful for his help and tells him he's brave for tackling the android. And you know, he tickles his knackers and says, "Oh, why aren't you a good little boy?" You know, gives him all the <laughs> attention he wants. What? He tickles his knackers. <laughs> and, and and he says, "You know, if 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 you want to go home, when you can work, if you can work out a satisfactory course, we'll give it a look." Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm I'm willing to uh, at least try and show something you that, that I'm trying. And, and he's already established that is incredibly dangerous, Dan. Yeah, and that smug little wanker. Yeah, well, I've already done so. I've even managed to calculate the way into the CVE, the gateway through eSpace. <laughs> and the doctor, fair to fair to him, says we've done extremely well, mm-hmm. and they both apologise for the argument. And he's there just saying, "No, I don't actually want to go home. There's nothing there for me." I'm just. He literally says, "I just wanted to prove a point." Petty, arrogant little shit. Yeah. And the, you got to remember as well, I suppose, in a way, Adric trying to prove this point, in this just being a really, you know, really daft little little shitehead, is the reason the Doctor left the TARDIS and walked out in that cave. And the reason why people are freaking dying all around them and they've had to fight the gimps in the first place. Because the, the Doctor wouldn't have needed to go for a walk if it wasn't for Adric trying to prove <laughs> this stupid point. It inadvertently also means that the doctor was there to stop the bomb. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Because that bomb was going to go off at some point. Yeah, I guess. But so it doesn't mean Adric's a hero, but it just means he dumb fucked his way into doing something good. Mm, piece of crap. On um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the person who played him, I'm sure the actor was very nice. Let's just say that, shall we? Well, actually, it's, it's uh, like um, it's the whole. If for anybody who's watched Game of Thrones, it's the Joffrey Baratheon thing. Like um, I can't remember the kid's name who played him, but his last name was Dominic Gleeson, I think it was. He stopped acting because people had such a visceral reaction and hated his character so much. He played it so well, people legitimately despised him, the character, that much that it bled over into real life. And it's just like, you know, have a think for a minute, you gaggle of dumb bastards who were watching it and, and took it out on the actor. It's it's a TV show. They're not real. <laughs> just, I, you know. I, I say... I say Matthew Waterhouse or Whitehouse, whatever his name is, it escapes me right now, is probably a nice fella. There are actually stories from people who were involved in Doctor Who at the time saying he was a little bit difficult to work with. He was a bit, he got this role very early in his life, very early in his career, and kind of was potentially a bit big for his boots. And there's one story where they had a pretty well established, well known actor. And Adric, or the character, the actor who played Adric, was trying to give this guy pointers on how to perform on Doctor Who and stuff like that. Now, apparently, the guy who played Adric regrets this. Now he's older because obviously yeah. the more you know, more mature the older you get. But yeah, on there saying, I'm sure the actor who played him was nice. There's actually evidence to show that maybe he was a bit of a knobhead. Yeah, well, it was looking. I've, I've got uh, Matthew Waterhouse's um, Wikipedia appearing, and he was he was 21. Mm-hmm. When this, you know, when this was being being aired, and I defy anyone to look back in their past and say they weren't a bit of a shithead when they were twenty one who thought they knew everything, mm-hmm. or thought they knew more than they did. You know, it's yeah, it's it, you can understand it. You know, we've all seen people come into a workplace and think they've got it immediately and start trying to tell the old heads how to do things, and yeah, and it's the case. Yeah, shut up, kid. You know, yeah, that's it. So, no, no hit on Matthew Waterhouse. Um, 
but you know he's not been helped by the uh, by the direction and the script. Yeah, there we go. And then, and then we've the TARDIS has materialised on this freighter. We cut to the bridge, and fucking Rita from Coro turns up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever said anything so mundane and, and like far from dirty and pop sky that pop sky that much. Oh, it is funny though. <laughs> I, I, I dead ass on first sight. I thought it was Rita from Coro. Oh my word! And, and here we've got here we've got another couple of bastards. Yeah, because the captain is a turd, and Ringway is a ring piece. Yeah. Um, she, you know, the captain comes on the bridge. She's annoyed at being called ma'am on the bridge for some reason. She's, you know, chucking out orders. Um, you know, being kept waiting for seven hours. Earth's on red alert for some interstellar conference that's going on. But they, you know, they've got stuff to haul and and get there on time so they can all get the bonus. But Ringway is a is like their version of Andrick. He's a whingy bitch. Yeah. But the captain's just a knob to him. Yeah, it's not like the Doctor is being, you know, where he's nice to Adric and Adric is still a knob looking for some acceptance that he's already got. Ridgeway is a knob, but he's almost trying to get acceptance from his superiors and his superiors are just like, nah, mate. Yeah, and and the, there's, a, there's a third person in the room, uh, a woman who we don't actually get her name until partway through episode three. Uh, her name's Berger. Yep. Um, Berger... Uh, actually goes on to play Elizabeth Rawlinson in Battlefield in 1989 as well. Oh, okay. Okay, Battlefield's one, again, Sylvester McCoy, I watched a load from, you know, when I was a kid and that. Yeah, um, so, yeah, there we go. But yeah, just instantly I'm just thinking how many more knobheads are going to be in this. Mm -hmm. And they're obsessed with their bonus. Yeah. Aren't they? They're obsessive with their bonus (laughs) for getting... (laughs) It just made me. It just made me go fucking capitalism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're obsessed with their bonus for getting their their cargo to where it needs to be, which are these you know, fifteen thousand we find out silos, aren't they? Containing whatever they're just shipping this cargo because, yeah. like I said, Dan, it's it's a freighter, isn't it? So it is. Yeah, and, and you know, on the other, again, they're doing this thing of cutting back and forth of uh, ring pieces going around wanting to check the security thing because they've had three people disappear, mm-hmm. uh, three crew members. And the Doctor and Adric are walking around trying to get somebody's attention because it's a massive freighter. Um, and <laughs> the Doctor have a great moment. The Doctor got to have a great moment where Adric's and Adric saying, "You know, we're we being too casual." And the Doctor, no one wants to announce our presence and see what the reaction is. And I was, how will they know that we're here? And the Doctor nods to the very obviously placed security camera. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, and that's why I don't answer your questions, you twat. Yeah. Uh, we also get the Cybermen or the Cyber Leader talking with somebody about the three guards being missing as an issue to the crew. What are we going to do about this? And the Cyberman basically says, You've got people on your ship who can act as a scapegoat. You've got stowaways, you've got people who shouldn't be there. Yeah. And this is where we get the the cliffhanger, I guess, to episode two, because the Doctor and Adric are found with another body. Yeah, uh, held at gunpoint by Ring Peace and mm-hmm. yelling on this ship we execute murderers. But what a great little bit of intrigue into the story. We know the Cybermen are working with somebody yeah. on the ship. We don't know if they're hidden or if it's one of the crew 
or you know we don't know what's going on so it's, it's a real good bit of intrigue and another solid ending to to episode two mm. yeah yeah i thought it was good um i think now we get to effectively this this third episode is what we get sometimes in classic who we've had the first couple of episodes setting up the story um the the peril of certain situations background characters being introduced even though we don't know their names and all this sort of stuff (laughs) and and then i tend to find that one of the later episodes so whether it's like this the penultimate one in a four-parter or whatever is relatively quick moving because it's getting from what it's already set up and readying us for the the climax of the story in the the final part if that makes sense Mm. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the it's kind of like a chess match. They've done their opening maneuvers. Yeah, they've got everything where they need it to be, and then episode three in this case is where they're just sort of springing the trap and and everything starts moving quite rapidly and, and they're trying to get it all you know moving towards a wrap up. Mm. But um, just right from the start here, ring piece. Uh, radios the commander, uh, radios the captain, and saying, "You know, I've, I've apprehended the uh, stowaways." And she said, "Just saying, why does he say apprehended? Why can't he just say caught?" Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, and you know for a, and you know for a fact, if he'd have said, "I've caught some stowaways," she would have gone, "Why does he say caught? Why can't he say something fancier like apprehended?" Yeah. She's she's just old Rita is just instantly very unlikable. And, yeah. But then you know we've had we've had ring piece going. Oh, why is she always running me down? Poor me. And I get I get she you know she is a bully and all that. And bullies can go fuck themselves, quite frankly. Yes. But it, it does feel like in a lot of ways that ring piece doesn't help himself. He yeah. could, he could he could just shut the fuck up sometimes. He just needs to go off and you know have a two way pity party with Adric in a little room on their own, doesn't he? Yeah, I'll be honest. At some point, there's a point in this episode where Ringpiece and the captain are having a, a gob at each other, and I'm just looking at it and thinking these two just need to fucking get it over with. <laughs> uh, speaking of the captain, and I suppose the second in command as well, they're both they're both ladies, they're both women. For 1982, yeah. that's quite progressive, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And, and Burge is brilliant. You know, she's obviously one of the tech wizards on the uh, mm. on the ship. knows knows the uh, systems and whatnot inside out, and, and really comes into her own uh, in in episode four. Yeah, well done, Doctor Who. Uh, we get a little, we get a couple of bits here from the Cybermen with regards to looking on the monitor and the the, the people there that have been captured now because the Doctor has been captured, Adric's been captured. They're on the they're on the bridge and so on. Did the you first clock that, sorry, did you clock that line from the Cyberman when he looked at the Doctor, and he's, uh, the Cyber Leader? Even in the face of death, he has the arrogance of a Time Lord. Yes, that's the positive I was going to point out. That's right. The negative is that they say about the Doctor being kept alive because he must suffer for our past defeats. Now, is that not? maybe showing a bit too much emotion for a Cyberman. Yeah. It's not very methodical. It's not very logical. It's almost revenge, which I guess would be a motivation towards an emotion. Revenge is, is an emotional response. Mm. Um, it makes sense to the human brain, but to a, a robot brain, you would think it would be illogical and inefficient. Mm. So, yeah, it's. I didn't give too much thought of it to the time because, you know, it's a bad guy thing, so... Yeah, fair enough. Okay, I'll let it slide. And you know, even in my head, I'm, I'm rationalising it, thinking, "Oh, these are 
these are side men from the past and the process wasn't as quite wasn't quite as refined. Yeah. Okay. okay yeah. <laughs> See, I, I spin the bullshit in my head when I'm watching it. Never mind, just when you ask me. <laughs> uh, again, we get sort of fast moving points in the plot, don't we? Because the freighter is effectively taking this cargo to Earth, and the the cargo is these silos. And we then see Cybermen coming out of the silos. In a way, I suppose, inspired by Tomb of the Cybermen, but just not done quite as well. Yeah, it's meant to be this big... like Tomb of the Cybermen, it was this whole sort of build-up. You know, they were slowly getting out of there. They're, they're getting up there. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. It's a build-up of tension. This was just, bang, Cybermen. As the sort of ripping off, <laughs> ripping off plastic off the faces and, yeah. and bursting out of the, you know, punching the way out of these cardboard silos, it, you know, it was it was fine. It, it, I think you're going to struggle to capture the magic of something like Tomb of the Cybermen, mm. um, but it was a, it was a good little homage to it, and it, it made sense in the context. Um, the it's just it, and it, it was needed at this point because I was just pissed off with with Ringpiece and the captain because Ringpiece they find these bodies and the stretcher crew are going down and he said and he's been lamenting the the deaths to the captain over the comms and then he's saying saying to the stretcher you'd have to worry you'd have to hurry they're quite dead like you you were just having a bitch about them being dead. Mm. To the captain, but now you're off comms, you're being a turd, and yeah. then he's and then him and the captain are having this back and forth. You know, when Ringway said, Don't answer the captain back, and she's in, I can fight my own battles. And it's like, For fuck's sake, you two, like I said, you two either don't like just don't like each other or like each other too much. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um. <sighs> We get uh, the moment here, then, I suppose, of all the Cybermen coming out of their silos, their containers, whatever. And they're basically storming around the ship, aren't they? And they're all heading up to the bridge where the Doctor, Adric, and the the rest of that crew are. I really liked some of this. Mm. Well, f- first of all, this is when Charlie was sat in the room watching with me. And she pointed out that as they stomp up some of the stairs through the debris and the bodies, one of the Cybermen slips over. I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. And I had to rewind and have a look, and I was like, oh my God, she's right. <laughs> Which was quite funny. Yeah, no, I like that. I'm going to have to go back and watch I'm going to have to watch it at some point again just to see it. Yeah. Um, but I did like it again, the cutting back and forth. It's the cyber leader's personal guard are activated, which are the ones stomping through. Mm-hmm. But then the, the power drains notify the, the crew on the bridge. So it's this this frantic sort of race to get the defences in place, and then it's the, the hopelessness that the weapons don't work, and then the inexorable march of the Cybermen. They just they retroactively fuck themselves later in episode four, when they say they were only supposed to there were only ten crew on board. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure we see them kill more than ten people in this initial run before yeah. before the other soldiers turn up from the TARDIS. But this is when basically this is this is where it's around then that we find out that uh, Ringway is is the traitor. Ringway is the one talking to the Cybermen, and the reveal of that is that the Cybermen are talking about there only being ten Earthlings on board, humans on board, mm-hmm. but there's much more. So that's why we end up. It leads to the Cybermen killing Ringway. Because he has misled them, he's not given them the correct information. Yeah, but I've, no, Ringway did give them correct information because the other humans were from the TARDIS. They were the doctor, the ones the doctor brought. Oh, okay, okay. So they've killed him because they. It's just a big misunderstanding. Because the doctor, <laughs> he's, 
He's. He, I mean, he might have been executed anyway, but he's died because the doctor turned up with his mates. Yeah, basically. Um, yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Um, and throughout all this, you've, you've got uh, Nissa, uh, Kyle, and I think another soldier or two still on the on the TARDIS mm-hmm. and watching on the scanner. And Kyle is is there. Kyle's also uh, neglected the chance to go. Sorry, we've missed a bit. Scott, Teagan, and a bunch of the soldiers have, have left. Yep. They left the TARDIS to go try and help. Kyle got given the opportunity to go with the soldiers, but didn't go. Because, in fairness, she has no military training. At this point now, she's watching on the scanner screen. Isn't there anything positive? Isn't there anything we can do? Anything positive we could do? It's like, well, you, you had your chance. Yeah. That's, your the chance lady, to go. yeah. that's the lady who gives Tegan her overalls, isn't it? Yes. Yes, right. Yeah. Now, this is something that blew my mind when I was looking into this this week and I was doing my bits of research and so on, right? Tegan takes the overalls from that lady because she can't go out in her air hostess outfit, right? So she's wearing these particular colour all over gear. She's got the short, dark hair. She then kills a Cyberman and has a big gun. She's running around this place with a big gun, overalls, short, dark hair. And I'm getting strong Ripley vibes from Alien at this point. Yeah. I'm thinking that is, that's, you know, that's, must be taken off from that because that maybe is that what they're going for? I don't know. So I, I'm, I'm just doing bits of research and so on. And that really stood, so prominent just stood out to me. But then when I did a bit more research, I found out that some of the gear used on the spaceship and some of the gear used for the Cybermen's monitoring equipment is parts of the ship used in the original Alien, just recycled. Oh, brilliant. Ah, oh, that's blown my mind. I was looking at it just going... Nostromo? Really Is that it? Yeah, Nostromo? the Nostromo. Yeah. yeah. It's parts of that are reused. In But I found that out after I was sat there going, bloody hell, Tegan's just turned into Ripley. So that completely <laughs> blown my mind when, I, when I've done the research and found this out. It's incredible, isn't it? You can't see the smile on my face, anybody listening, but that that's probably made me happy because I, I adore Alien. Mm. I think it's a great film. I think Alien Alien is a fantastic sci-fi horror movie. Yes. And Aliens is a fantastic sci-fi action movie. Right. Um, I even like Alien 3. I don't care what anybody says. Alien 3, it's sort of much maligned by Alien fans because they've got a bit of dodgy CGI for the Alien. The story isn't necessarily that great, but there were a lot of production problems and, and budget okay. issues. But the cast is incredible, um, including uh, oh, what's his? Well, I'm blanking on his name now. Uh, he wrestled as Leon Harris, uh, but oh, he, was, he, right. was in, he was in Kez, Northern actor. Yep. Um, I'm doing this a lot recently. I, I, oh. I've literally got a picture of him next to my desk on an yeah. old, old ITV wrestling poster. He was in Bottom yeah. as well. Yeah, he was uh, Mr. Uh, what was it, Rot- uh, Mr. Rottweiler? That's it. Yeah, oh, it's bugging Brian Glover. Right. Yeah, um, so yeah, I'd give it a watch if you can. But anyway, yeah, next, okay. week, next week on, on the Alien podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we basically then accelerate very quickly to the end of this episode, don't we? We have the Cybermen trying to get into the bridge with their um, thermal lance. 
apparently, which is blasting through the mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that a thermal lance in your pants, or you just have to see me? <laughs> Delete. Um, <laughs> but the Doctor comes up with this idea of constantly changing the makeup of the door to make it difficult for them to uh, to melt through, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really clever idea. I love this from a sci-fi point of view because they start talking about antimatter, mm. um, which uh, the concept both fascinates and terrifies me. Um, I don't know if you've encountered antimatter theory anywhere or not. Really, no. I mean, all so, I know about antimatter is literally from watching science fiction. So, <laughs> so it, it does exist, and it, it's based on. In the sort of wider universe, everything there's an opposite to everything. Effectively, there's cause and effect. So there's matter and there is antimatter. And it, it, there is observable antimatter in the universe, and, and so and some antimatter has actually been created. But the problem is, as soon as antimatter touches matter, they cancel each other out, and it causes. Um, I think it's called a cataclysm, okay. where it just it's effectively a sort of an explosion. Right. Um, so this ship is fueled by antimatter and the energy it puts out, and it has to have a stabilizing agent, which is stimulated, which is simulated by the computer engineering, as they call it on here, and that sort of thing just fascinates me. You know, the idea of it and how they've come up with it at this time just fascinates me. The Doctor then using the using that te- existing technology on the vessel that could have only just only been sort of theoretical at the time this was made. To then feed into what effectively is a small part of the story. Yeah. It just goes to show how much work goes into it. Because I, I remember reading about antimatter and things. It was one of uh, Dan Brown's books, I think it was Angels and Demons, where there was sort of talk of antimatter and stuff like that. And, and to know it was going back, you know, going back that far, it, I absolutely love it. But for all me, like marking out about that and, and really loving it, when the doctors got a race against time to get this barrier up, Adric starts whinging about the doctor explaining things to him. And in my in my notes, I've got I've just got now Adric, you little bitch. And the doctor points out they're under attack and he's just, well tell me quickly. And the doctor and I've just got in my notes, no, fuck off, Adric. Mm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um this does lead to a really cool moment though, where the Cyberman kind of gets stuck in the door, almost Han Solo-esque. Does you know, oh so good. Yes, oh, that's exactly in my notes, the Han Solo in. Um but even amongst Adric's bullshit, sorry, just going back a little bit, the Doctor gives him a chance to be impressive. And he says, what's the square root of 3.69873? And Adric says, I'm about 1.92321. And, you know, he, he got it wrong. It was 1.923208, which anybody knows. Yeah, um, yeah I knew that. But then, he, straight away. Yeah, but, then he, he go, but then the Doctor, just to shut him up, has to go through the whole thing about how the antimatter will work. And mm-hmm. Adric listens to this explanation of what the doctor has but will it work on the shield? It's like, well, if it doesn't, we're dead. So Yeah, just shut up and let me work. And then uh, amongst all this as well, and just after this, the soldiers in Tegan have spotted two Cybermen, and they're trying to get... Tegan has already referred to herself as a mouth on legs. She knows. <laughs> she knows. She knows. She knows. She's a gobshite, and, and I do quite like Tegan. Yeah, and I, lo- I love that. I love that she came back in power of the Doctor. Oh, but and me. It's when they're there, and Scott's gauging the situation, and she goes. And she goes now. <laughs> like, I'm, this is like really tense. I'm just shut the fuck up and let the soldiers do their stuff. 
with those two Cybermen, though, okay, talking about the Cybermen being more human, okay, you get scenes where you have security, don't you, outside a door in films and TV and that, and people are waiting to break in, and the two security guards are stood there having a coffee, having a chat, whatever. Now, the Cybermen are supposed to be cold, illogical, no emotion, and so on. So you'd imagine them just to be stood there like centurions. But they are more like the first example. They're stood there just having a chat. What are Cybermen chatting about? You know, what are they discussing? Because <laughs> they are stood there just having a chat. And it is all casual. It's like their, their body language and their mannerisms are like you and I now. Yeah, it's, it was really funny. Just sat there, sat there. Did you see what was on? Did you see what was on the on, on the BB side last night? <laughs> <laughs> Good game last night, wasn't it? Well, that's what, that's the way it was coming across, you know. <laughs> I was trying to think Come of on, robot. Mate. I was trying to think of robot pun football teams really quickly, but I've got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, yeah, it's proper weird, proper weird. And then yeah. and then we're back on the TARDIS and. and Kyle's asking Nisa if she can. What happens if the doctor doesn't come back? And and just and she's oh well, oof, don't know. We're, we're a bit knackered. She's like, what? You can't fly the TARDIS. I'm like, no. Can you? You twat. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> oh man. Oh, um, uh, ring piece is woken up. <laughs> and the 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 uh, the, uh, the sidemen think the think that he's betrayed him. And out of all things, the sidemen just just blow the way into the room. And then walk through the obviously made of paper door that's hanging down you know it literally just one side man walks through and just wafts a bit of it out of his way with his yeah. hand it's supposed to be like <laughs> steel or something but it's obviously just made a card i could i could have farted my way through that yeah exactly exactly but then this is where ridgeway gets killed off which is good we're one bitch down then <laughs> and his ring piece so goodbye yeah. ringway off you uh, and i suppose the cliffhanger here is that more Cybermen are coming out of the silos and the Doctor is looking on the monitor. And this is where the Doctor actually sees that it's Cybermen, isn't it? And he has to, it, that's his reveal. So it's almost like the Doctor is now catching up with us, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. I mean, he knows that those side, the, obviously he's seen the Cybermen that are already there, but seeing mm. the, the army burst out of the silos. Yeah. That's 15,000 uh, is the reveal, and, isn't it? Yeah, and you've got the whole My Army Awakes Doctor. Um, it... <laughs> It did make me chuckle though because there was a big reveal before because this is when this is when the captain realizes what she's hauling and what what a freight is and it's just like oh come on did it really take you that long yeah really but I will give them props for this because they have a really cool sort of triple shot of the Cybermen filing into rank yeah and it, it, you can tell it's the same shot repeated three times but for 1982 they made it look very good yeah yeah it is excellent it is excellent and. Um, Part four begins with us, I suppose, having all the blanks filled in now. Just yeah. the, the actual motivation for what's going on, the plan the Cybermen have, is kind of explained to us in that on Earth there is a big conference taking place. And it's lots of uh, leaders meeting to, I suppose, join forces to battle the Cybermen. And the Doctor says himself, that's a war you would never win. So the Cybermen's yeah. plan is to blow this up, killing all the leaders, making it easier for them to just go about their wicked ways, I guess. <laughs> well, not only that, it, it's it's to send a message to render the Earth virtually completely uninhabitable, uninhabitable. And as the Doctor puts it, stop the war, stop the unity. 
Mm-hmm. And, and the, da- uh, the Daleks Cybermen say it would be a great psychological victory and the might of the cyber race will be confirmed um, it's yeah it, it's nice to have the full motivation laid bare um, and all the while with this Tegan's been split up from the the soldiers and, and they're all sort of skulking about the ship so there's there's a great amount of peril at the minute and the Cybermen have attached this device and fixed the coordinates for the ship for the freighter we now know that they needed why they needed the clearance to Earth. We know what the motivation is, and yeah, it, again, I love it when it sort of all emerges towards the end. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant way to tell a story. Is it? I mean, I, I suppose cards on the table now. We're coming towards the end now, aren't we? We get a lot of action, a lot of peril, and so on. But I agree with you that there's foreshadowing earlier on in the episode that's done well because sometimes that can be a bad thing. Hmm we get some reveals at the end that are very clever. We also get the moment we're going to come to shortly. That's, that's quite dramatic and, and quite historic for Doctor Who as well. But the actual motivation of the Cybermen, is that a bit weak? No, it's logical. Is it? Yeah. They, they've picked a point. They know they have enemies. They could go through the enemies one by one mm-hmm. and try the hand. If they wait for their enemies to unite, it'll be too late. So why not pick a point and weaken all the enemies when they're, all the leaders are together in one place? Yeah. Okay. I get you. Yeah, so you, know, you you weaken you weaken you cut you know cut the heads off the snake as it were and you kill all the leaders. You've rendered a planet uninhabitable. That spreads fear throughout every other planet that's got on board with this. Mm. And it makes the chance of them trying to unite again. Possibly, it, it'll either it'll do one of two things. It'll either make it incredibly less likely, or it'll galvanise everyone against you. Yeah. Okay. But, it, but it's whether it's whether the opponents dare try it again so soon. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. I, I'm one over. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get uh, some again. Like I said, that the, there's a lot happens in this episode, but I think we can scan for it relatively quickly because a lot of it is action scenes that don't need much describing potentially. Yeah. With regards to Cybermen getting on the TARDIS. Yeah, we've got um, a couple on there. Yeah, Tegan's gone full Ripley now. And Cyber, the Cybermen are getting on the TARDIS. Oh, Cyberman sorry. Is speaking using Tegan to blackmail the Doctor because of his emotions. Yeah, but speaking of Tegan, we missed a bit in the previous episode where when they were taking down the two Cybermen who were having a chat about the cyber football, um, <laughs> Tegan just ran in, grabbed one of the Cybermen's guns, yeah. And just pumped a few shots into him. Like, fucking badass. She's great. I like Tegan. I like yeah, Tegan. love that. Sorry, uh, carry on. <laughs> uh, we effectively then have, like I said, the, the Doctor is, he has a, a weakness, and that is the cyber leader realises if he threatens Tegan's life, the Doctor is now under his control. Mm. This means now that they can go to the TARDIS. So the cyber leader himself is heading to the TARDIS, isn't he? Yeah, because the cyber leader's plan is to not be on board and only leave a couple behind to, to mm-hmm. oversee and make sure that the freighter actually crashes into the earth. But I, I did, the cyber leader got a great line in when they were debate, he was debating with the doctor about emotions. And he says, they restrict and curtail the intellect and logic of the mind. Yes. It's like, ooh, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty dark. It and is. Then the, and then the doctor's arguing they, are, they enhance life. And he, <laughs> the three examples he, uh, he, he plucks out. Oh, yeah, this is funny. weird. When, when, was a, when did you last have the pleasure of smelling a flower? Fine. Enjoy, enjoying the sunset? Fine. Or, or eating a well-prepared meal? Odd one. 
<laughs> Not if you're a fat fuck like me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> smelling the I flower. Got, was, smelling the flower was the old one for me. I just got the image of like when did you have when did you last have that thing of eating a well prepared meal and just getting the soy believer standing there going, oh, I do bloody love a roast, you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> The Cybermen get stopped because one of them decides he really misses Curry Mondays at Spoons. Adric is going to be left behind, though, isn't he? The Cyber Leader is taking Tegan, the Doctor, and a few others to the TARDIS. Adric is being left behind with some of the crew and one or two Cybermen. It's, not, it's sort of under the doctor's protest, though, but he, he does the whole, mm. no, it's fine, go without me, moon. Yeah, twat. And um, they, they they relatively quickly overpower the Cybermen as well, don't they, for my, for my standing. You obviously get the lieutenant arriving to make the rescue on the bridge, and they then hide behind these plastic tubs, and the Cybermen are coming up one at a time. And they're yeah. just picked off one at a time. I mean, Doug, I understand for the, the sake of the story, it kind of had to be that way, but it did make them look a little bit weak, potentially. Well, kind of, but, you know, Scott and one of the other ones has got, they've got cyber weapons now. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and it, was a, it was an ambush because the, the Cyberman was just investigating what I think Adric was looking at. Mm. So he just goes to have a look and then they storm in and kill the other one. So it, it's a sneak attack both times. So I, yeah. I didn't. Really, I didn't really have a problem with it, um, but with when they've got the sort of they've overridden the ship, it's, it's now sort of Adric's time to shine, if you like, because he's saying, you know, obviously we've established that he's brilliant. You know, he's a math genius, as as we know, and then he's talking about diverting the ship a degree or two, but he finds these logic codes that you've got yes. to enter to to deactivate or affect the, the machinery that the, the soundmen have installed. So it's like a uh, lock, I imagined it to be. Yeah, yeah, it's like a puzzle, like sort of a logic puzzle lock. Yeah. And we get this great sort of race against time of Adric trying to figure out what's going on. The only bit where it gets a bit weak is Adric gets the first... Um, gets the first one, gets the first lock off. Uh-huh. Says, Has that done anything? So the press, you know, the Berger does whatever she does and it phases out of reality out of, you know, what the doctor and, and the cyber leader are looking at. And it somehow goes back 65 million years. Yes. And it's just explained away as that's because you've got alien technology f- pissing about with the freighter systems as if time travel is that easy. Yeah, <laughs> even I can't explain that one away. No, the the cyber leader demands that the TARDIS follows the freighter to where it's effectively jumped to sixty five million years ago, and so on. As Adric then solves the second code, because again we're doing that thing where we're jumping back and forth between the two rooms, aren't we? Which I think that, again this is done really effectively. Yeah, it is. It is. I'm, I'm, I do like it. Um, it. It adds great sort of tension to the scene and, and what's going on. Um, so he solves the other one. The freight is sort of slowly encroaching on Earth. We actually see Earth. Mm-hmm. You know, we see it right there. Um, there's a the the rest of them go to go on the escape pod. Um, you know, Scott uh, is it Scott the captain, Berger. Yeah, it's the ones that have been left behind. Whoever else, yeah, and. The, Scott has to drag Adric into the pod. 
because Max is he, that much of a motivation for him. Yeah, and then he's a knobhead. And then he, <laughs> he jumps out at the last minute because he's figured it out. It's like, what are you on? You like, I get that. I get that he wants to try and save the planet. I do, but he's like, he's not got that part of that self-preservation part of his brain. But he's literally done all he can do. They've gone back in time. They know they've gone back in time. But he still has to be clever. He mm. still has to prove a point and try and crack this last code. And it's just, I think you're a bit too late to divert it now. And even then, do you know how to pilot the ship? Yeah, yeah. It's a bit a bit, a bit thin there, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, we basically then, the reveal is there then, isn't it? That this is 65 million years ago. We spoke earlier on about the meteorite or asteroid hitting Earth and wiping out the dinosaurs. Yeah. The lieutenant explains that Adric is still on board and the doctor twigs that the ship is what's going to hit the Earth, but the Earth yeah. will survive. So the ship has to hit the Earth because that's part of history. But Adric is still on board. And we've also already established that the doctor can't pilot the TARDIS mm. into the... Um, into the freighter because um, because it, it's constantly moving. You can't plot yeah. the coordinates. Um, and effectively, they have to sit there and watch Adric die. Yeah, and I, effectively, Adric has gone back to solve the third puzzle. Uh, mm. a, a pretty mangled Cyberman, his last act of defiance is to blow up the control thing. So even if Adric has got the right solution he can't change it because the computer has been destroyed and the cyber leader on the TARDIS in the meantime is killed with a combination of Adric's gold star and a gun yeah which the... I thought it was good but I tell, tell you what when, when Adric when that Cyberman shoots the the console what a melodramatic death yeah yeah oh as the Cyberman falls yeah for ages yeah yeah, and the the console as well that he's 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 blown up and shot is just literally an old fashioned typewriter sprayed silver, yeah. which I got a big <laughs> kick out of. I love that. Yeah, yeah, I did too. I and like the that. final scene we get, and it's the line that I suppose is quite synonymous with this, is Adric clutching something. I always thought it was his star, but it's not because the star is in the TARDIS. He's got his, hmm. he's got like a rag or some description. Has he a bit of cloth and he's, he yeah. he looks a bit solemn, and he's not worried about dying or anything like that. The line is. Now I'll never know if I was right. And then, boom, Adric's dead. Penis. Mm. That's, it's kind of it's a weird one, because the death of a companion is, is a solemn thing, and I feel really bad for the Doctor, Nisa, and Tegan. Because mm-hmm. as much as Adric's a little prick... They obviously have a great deal of affection for him. You get the yes. doctor with his thousand yard stare and Tegan and Nissa are crying. And the credits are silent and you just see Adric's broken badge in the background. <laughs> but, you know, on, 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 if you take out your personal feelings about Adric, that's very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. But, really dramatic. But I'm, but I'm, not, but I'm not sorry he's dead. <laughs> no. And and the thing is as well with regards to I mean there's a there's a big thing about this being the first companion who got killed on Doctor Who. That's not strictly true. There's a couple in the William Hartnell era that were around for like one story and got killed off. But this is the first yeah. I suppose long term companion. And the, the credits going up with with no music and so on, just the image of the star is incredibly dramatic, incredibly uh, iconic for me because it's completely different to what they've always done. 
I then stayed on because that's the end of the show there, isn't it? Let's be honest. That's, that's the end of the program we're covering. Yeah. I stayed on and watched the opening of Time Flight, which was the next So episode. did I. Okay. Now, here's what I got from this. Tegan and Nissa are suggesting we can go back and get Adric. The freighter can still crash. We can go in and get Adric. And it's almost like the Doctor is so tired of his shit that he's just like, nope, he's dead. Accept it. Well, <laughs> also, because the Doctor can't get in there because the coordinates are constantly changing. He can't get in. It's not on a fixed coordinate anymore. Mm-hmm. So he can't actually fly back in. He still can't fly back in. And now he's got the added burden of changing people's personal histories. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But so, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, it, it was quite funny. Though. Like you said, there was an air of... I'm very sad about it. But it's lovely and quiet. Mm. And he's like, do you know what? Let's go back to 18-something, rather. And we might catch a bit of cricket. That'll cheer us up. That's <laughs> <laughs> what he says. <laughs> and then and they end up with a, they end up with a, a Concorde phasing in and out of space and time. and. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's definitely a story we got to cover, because that's a really interesting one. It just makes me just makes me wish I'd flown Concord. Yeah, it's, it, well, it's it's not interesting from a good standpoint, but we'll have a good giggle at it. So then, the, Dan, first of all, Earthshock, this four parter. Yeah. Your thoughts in summary as we come to a close. Good story, very good story, full of absolute knobhead characters, from Adric the Captain, Ringpiece, um, <laughs> you know. They all have the moments of just being really annoying, but the fact they're all in at the same time, mm. it's just like, I, I want to love this story. I want it to be, I'm, on paper, I want it to be one of my favourites okay. that we've covered. I think it's brilliant. The foreshadowing's great. Yeah. The sets look fantastic. They, they handle the Cybermen really well. They, they've got the flashes to the past that, I re- you know, the Doctor Who past that I really like. It just it, it it stopped it stopped from being one of the one of my all time favourites just by having that sprinkling of tosses throughout it. Mm. Yeah, I get you. I, I'm kind of the same. I really enjoy it. Peter Davison is superb to me. I think he's fantastic. Yeah, I enjoy the Cyberman. Um, even though it's a bit before my time, it does remind me of being a kid. You know, because it's similar to that 80s era, that 80s feel. Mm. Um, Adric's just a knobhead. But Tegan's great. <laughs> this is we don't see much in this, uh, I suppose, in this story. But she's pretty cool as well. Um, I think it's going to rank fairly highly on my end of season chart, but I yeah. don't think it's going to be up, up, up there. The, yeah, it's it's going to be definitely top half of the table for me. Yeah, yeah. There we go. So very quickly then, before we uh, let everyone know whereabouts we can be found online and so on, what is it we're looking at next week? So uh, next week for it is our final uh, sort of regular season episode, if you like, and it's our also our final guest of the season. Uh, we're heading to the Jodie Whittaker era, and we're going to be looking at Spyfall with Beth O'D. Lovely stuff, lovely stuff. Yeah, fast approaching the end of our third season, mate. Pretty oh, dramatic, mate, pretty good. It's gone by in a flash. I've absolutely mm. loved doing these. It seems like that as soon as we start a series, it's it's not long before we're finished. Um, yeah. And I, I really I can't wait to do our final special, which was going to be one of the Peter Cushing movies, but we've decided to have a sort of rewatch of Power of the Doctor now that yes. a few months have passed. I don't think either of us have watched it since. Nope. I um, so we're going to have a look back see if it's as great as we thought it was first time around yeah. so we've got Spyfall next week with Beth O'D then Power of the Doctor and then we'll do our usual sort of wrap up episode and, and our rankings and and then onwards to season four 
Yes. Season four, we have pretty much locked in our guests. Again, we're sticking with the effort to try and make each guest a newcomer to the show. That will eventually change, of course. But if you're interested in appearing on season five of the show, drop us a message. Let us know and we'll see what we can sort out. Uh, Dan, do you want to let everyone know whereabouts they can find you online? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at DanRiffin21, usually tweeting about wrestling that's six weeks out of date or movies that are 25 years out of date. If you want to hear more of me waffling nonsense about stuff, uh, you can hear me on Unbooking the Territory. Uh, we're available on all podcast platforms and we'll cover the first and last of professional wrestling. And we have a side project called Unbooking the Tankatory, where we chart the life and times, match by match, of the in-ring career of Tank Abbott in WCW. Uh, both of those podcasts I do with, uh, with you two. Rob, and uh, you can find them at UTT Podcast and at UTT Tank, respectively. Awesome stuff. Anything I am involved in, so that's, you know, Farty Towels, Fault Towers podcast, uh, anything wrestling based, Nitro Nights, looking at WCW week by week, Chain Wrestling, Murder and Mind podcast, all of that stuff. Anything that I'm involved in has its own Twitter account, of course, but you can also find it via the network that carries this show. That's at SJP World Media on Facebook and Twitter. Make sure you're following all of that on you know facebook twitter and all that stuff and your podcast providers as well chuck us a review on spotify itunes google and all those places you listen it means the world to us and this show itself is available on twitter and facebook at the doctor who pod that's at the d-r-w-h-o-p-o-d at the doctor who pod uh yeah so there's that's that so was it whitaker next week you say yeah, Jodie Whittaker's Spyfall. With awesome stuff. Looking forward to it, bud. I will let you get off because I know it is dinner time. So I will... <laughs> <laughs> I'll speak to you next week, my friend. See you soon, bud. Looking forward to it already. And to everyone else, as always, thank you for listening. Joe, I really wish that um, that the captain had been in charge of the uh, the gimps because then we could have had Rita's Corner Shop gimps. <laughs> <For sake. laughs>